right, Daniel chapter 9, part 2, the 77's prophetic timeline. Um, today we're going to look into the most significant prophetic timeline in all of the Bible. A timeline that even foretold of the date of the coming of the Messiah and his uh, crucifixion. And most of it is pretty straightforward. Um, at least the 483, or at least most of it, the, we're going to talk about it, the 483 years of it are pretty straightforward, but the last seven of these 490 years, or the last seven of these 77s, uh, is, a, is often debated. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of a, it's kind of a mystery. Um, but we're going to look into that and try to get to the bottom of it. Some say this timeline is at the 77s are already complete. They're all done. And we're living in a different era apart uh, from these 77s. But others say the final seven years of these 77s are yet future and have to do with the time of the Antichrist. So let's just get into it. And we'll break it down as we go here. All right, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. If you remember, just a little recap last week, Daniel was praying for his people and for his city. He was praying for the restoration. He was praying for um, um, right, you know, everything to be set right that was wrong. So he says, uh, the angel comes to him. I, I believe it was Gabriel. And he says, he gives him his answer after his uh, prayer here. It was Gabriel. He, was, he flew swiftly, right? I'm trying to remember the last verses. I should know this. But anyways, he says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Okay? So what are these 70 weeks? You know, a lot of people think of, we think of weeks as days, right? 70 weeks. But um, in Bible times, um, they used, uh, you know, we, they had Sabbaths every seven days, but they also had a Sabbath year every seven years. So we often reckon time according to decades, like 10-year segments. But in the Bible, they counted years off by uh, sections of seven. You had six regular years where they farmed the, uh, their fields, worked their fields. And on the seventh year, they didn't do any farming. They, they didn't do any planting. And that was the year of Sabbath. So 77s, we're talking about a week of years, okay? 70 sets of seven years. Or if you take 70 times seven, you get 490 years. So we're basically, we're talking about a period of 490 prophetic years. And why, I, why I'm saying prophetic years is because it gets a little bit complicated in that these aren't exactly 490 solar years that we go by today. Because the biblical year was made up of 360 days and not 365.25 days, okay? And you can find that out if you go into the book of Revelation or Daniel. There's all these prophecies concerning uh, a, a seven-year period that we'll, we'll get into. And it, it reckons that seven-year period that into two halves as 42 months, um, three and a half years and 1260 days. Okay. And when you do the math on it, that it comes short of a 365 day year. Okay. Um, 
So that we, we're going to have to take that into consideration when trying to figure out the beginning and the end. But when I convert it, actually, if you convert the prophetic years, you get to uh, 490 prophetic years equals 1,000 or 176,400 days, regular days, solar days, sun up, sun down, 176,400 times the sun will come up and the sun will go down, okay? Until what? Until um, these, uh, uh, all these seven events happen that he, he mentioned. I'm going to go over that in a second here. Um, thy people and thy holy city, it has to do with the return of both the Israelites, it has, has to do with the Israelites going back to Jerusalem and being under the reign of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In other words, Israel will be back, all the Israelites will be back in Jerusalem and Jesus would be there reigning, okay? At the end of these 490 prophetic years, okay? We don't know when it starts yet, so that's the key. We're going to have to find out when it starts. Um, but I'm going to go through each one of these seven things real quickly because some people believe, and I kind of even toyed with the idea a little bit that that maybe the 77s were all done and we're, we're living in a little bit of a different era. But when you break this down and you look at all seven of those things that were supposed to end at the very end of the 490 years, um, like I said, Israel, the Israelites would be back in Jerusalem and Jesus would be their king. Okay, But that's not happened right now. Jerusalem is still controlled by Gentile powers. And has been so ever since it fell to the Babylonians uh, when Daniel was young. And some say, well, the, the Jews returned in 1948. Well, there's a debate on whether or not that those, many of those Jews are actually legitimate. But nevertheless, um, in 19, uh, those Jews that returned in 1948, uh, it's, it's a non-Christian non nation. So it, uh, it, it, it wouldn't apply. But... Moreover, the Temple Mount itself is still controlled or being used, at least, by the Arabs. So the Temple Mount and Jerusalem is still under Gentile control, whichever view you have. Even if you believe that God's chosen people went back in 1948, they reconquered the land, um, and so forth, they don't have control of the Temple Mount. But I, I believe even if they did, it wouldn't be legitimate anyways. So in other words, that hasn't happened yet, okay? Number two, to finish the transgression. Now, all these things are in that verse that I just read. To finish the transgression. Jerusalem still, again, Jerusalem rejects Christ to this day, and there's still rebellion there. So that hasn't ever been complete. There's, uh, there's still sin. There's still transgression. There's still lawlessness. The third thing in this list was to make an end of sins. Okay? Well, Jesus' blood on the cross atones for our sins, but sinning, again, sinning is still going on. So um, I don't believe we've reached this end point of the 490 years uh, for that either. Um, now the fourth thing in that list was to make reconciliation for iniquity. Okay? Well, um, it appears that, I mean, it seems that Jesus did do that on the cross for all who believe anyways. So some could argue and say, well, that's fulfilled. There, there, since Jesus, was on the, uh, Jesus died on the cross, reconciliation for sins is done. So maybe we're living, maybe we're past this 490 year segment that they think. Um, but then you go to 
Um, Number five, it says to bring in everlasting righteousness. Well, surely we look at the world today and we look at Jerusalem. There is not everlasting righteousness there. Okay. The world, including Jerusalem, is full of wickedness. Uh, The sixth thing says to seal up the vision and prophecy. Well, we know many prophecies uh, have not yet come to pass. Okay. So that is, I mean, that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And the seventh thing ultimately was to anoint the most holy. Okay. I believe that is talking about the time when Jesus returns and the millennial temple is set up, uh, built and then set up, uh, which has not happened yet. Now, some people look at these things, uh, these seven things, and they, they find a, some kind of a spiritual fulfillment for them. And they try to say, well, we're, this is all done, and they try to go into detail and say this this actually means this, and so forth. But if you look at these things straightforward, it's really hard. I mean, if you look at them as being literal, these 77s are not yet complete. These seven events or these seven things have not yet been fulfilled, okay? Um, and what's interesting is these seven things that God said would be completed at the end of the 490 years, they run parallel to what Daniel was mentioning in his prayer. He mentioned a lot of these things. And those were the answer, when it would happen. Because Daniel was wondering, when, is, when are my people going to be restored? When is righteousness, you know, he was repenting for his people's sins. And he, he basically wanted God's kingdom to be back on, to, to be set up on earth. He wanted to know when it's going to happen. God's answer was 77s and then it'll happen, which was kind of perplexing for Daniel because he was looking forward to the end of the 70 year captivity, which was right about this time. And he was thinking, all right, it's almost done. We're just going to get through these 70 years and then everything's going to be restored. So now God comes and tells them it's going to be 70 times 7 or 77. So it, was, it might have been kind of disappointing, again, kind of disappointing for him because now he has to look further, you know, the, uh, further than what he was expecting uh, the end to, uh, for the end to come. All right. All right, so just to recap, we don't, right now, we don't know the start point or the end point. All we know is the the angel came and said there will be 77. So what we need to figure out is, first off, when does it start? Because then we can find out when it ends, right? All right, the next verse will do that for us. Daniel 9, verse 25, know therefore and understand, okay? that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. Now now think about this. This is a message coming directly from an angel of God, directly from Gabriel himself. And he's telling Daniel, you know this and understand it, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto, now check this out, Messiah the Prince, it's the coming of Jesus, shall be seven weeks so seven weeks of years, 49 years, seven times seven, and three score and two weeks, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So here we go. We, we actually have our starting point here. It begins at the commandment given by um, the king here, King Artaxerxes in 444, 444, 
5 BC, sorry, uh, um, his commandment was given to restore and to build Jerusalem. And you can find this in, um, actually, I'll, I'll show you the slide here in a bit. But Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 is where you'll find the command of Artaxerxes to do that. Okay, That was yet future to uh, Daniel. Okay, So when that would happen, then you'd start counting down this timeline would start. Okay, So um, we'll put 445 as our starting point. Some people say it was 444 BC, and there are other uh, differences of opinion. So you got to come to that date by really studying um, uh, the the history of the, of the uh, Medes and the Persians to try to figure that out. And that's why there's a little bit of debate there of when it when that year actually was. But we'll go with 445 for this study and as our starting point, okay? And I'm not claiming that that is a... Um, that that date is set in stone, that I've totally researched that, and I'm, without a shadow of a doubt, I know it's that date, okay? I'm just going to... That's what a lot of scholars use, so I'm going to go with that, okay? Because I haven't done an in-depth study on Persian history. I'm not a, uh, a historian and a chronologist, so I'm going to have to trust their works. And it really doesn't matter anyways. It'll just get a, give us a general idea. Okay, So 445 BC, now we can go all the way to the end, and what we would think the end would be in 39 AD. Okay, Now, I believe there's a gap in this timeline, and I'm not going to get into it right at this moment, but right now, once that happened, this is what your mind would be taking you to, okay? 490 prophetic years brings you to 39 AD. Now, if you're looking at this and you do the math and you say 490 plus, that doesn't bring me to 39 AD because we're not using um, solar years. You're using prophetic years. So it's actually from 445 BC to 39 AD, it's about 483 solar years when you do the math. Um, so what you need to do is you need to take 490 times uh, 360, 360 days. That'll give you the days. Then you can divide those days that I showed you, 176,400, I believe it was. You divide those days by 365.25, so on and so forth, to get the, the total amount of solar years, which is approximately 483 solar years. Now, don't get that confused because there's a 483 segment prophetic segment in uh, in this timeline, okay? All right. Okay. Go into this. Okay, so it says, unto Messiah the Prince, in that verse there. So from the decree to build Jerusalem, given in Nehemiah chapter 2 by Artaxerxes, until the coming of the Messiah at his first advent, it says there would be seven weeks plus 62 weeks equaling, equaling 69 weeks or 483, 360-day years, okay? In other words, so what we had there is we had, um, this timeline is broken up into three different segments. You have this 490 years, which is when the commandment would go forth to restore Jerusalem until it's rebuilt, okay? And that happened in Ezra Chapter 4, verse 15, when the temple was completed exactly at the end of the 49 prophetic years. Um, then there was this other period, uh, the six, what was it, the 62 weeks, 62 sevens equal 434 prophetic years. That would bring us all the way to the coming of the Messiah in 32 AD. Okay? 
Now again, some people say it was actually 31 AD or 33 AD because they, they start their timeline a little different, okay? But what's fascinating about this is it actually tells us when Jesus would be here. So if you knew, and they probably knew back then before, you know, it's been a couple thousand years and records get, historical records get lost, but they were a lot closer, they lived a lot closer to the Persian. Um, they were only, you know, 400 plus years away from uh, the Persian Empire when it uh, issued that decree. So in other words, they, they probably all knew the exact date of when that commandment to restore Jerusalem was given. And then they should have been expecting the Messiah. They should have been expecting Jesus to come that year. And what's bizarre about this is that the scribes and the Pharisees, those who were supposed to be educated in these things, they should have known this timeline. They should have been looking out saying, where's the Messiah? And then when Jesus came fulfilling the requirements of the Messiah, they should have thought, oh my gosh, that's him. That's him. But they didn't do it. It's weird. You know, people today, they can know and understand the Bible. But, um, you know, well, I guess the scribes and Pharisees, they probably didn't really understand the Bible. They were uh, a lot like our churches today. They're one verse here, one verse there, and, uh, and so forth. But anyways, there we have that. And then what, I'm trying to think of what else. Okay. Um, that 32 AD says, until the coming of Messiah the Prince. Uh, most people believe this refers to Jesus' triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 talks about it. Psalms chapter 118, verse 26. Mark 11, verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 38 uh, to 42. Remember when Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem and they, they recognized him as the Messiah there. So that... That very day that Jesus rode in on the donkey to Jerusalem was exactly um, uh, the 69 sevens, the 69 sevens or the 483 prophetic years from when that decree was given to the day. It's, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Um, all right. This phrase here in that verse, it says it was built again in troublous times. Um, now, Jerusalem and the walls were rebuilt during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, and they did go, th it was a troublous time. They had many people trying to stop them from rebuilding. There was that Tobiah, I think it was, his name was Tobiah, or Tobit or something like that, I can't remember. There were a couple guys that were leading a movement to try to stop them from rebuilding that uh, temple. And that was foretold of before it even happened, you know, for 49 years before, well, 49 plus years before that even happened. So you can really see that God really, uh, obviously no man could fake this. Okay, go on to verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. After the 483 prophetic years, Messiah would be crucified. But not for himself. Okay, not for anything he did or not, you know, obviously we know it's for the sins of the world. And the people of the prince, lowercase prince, this is another prince, some antichrist prince, that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So here's a prophecy even 
letting us know that Jesus would be crucified. Now, many Jews today, unbelieving Jews today, non-Christian Jews today, they still reject the idea that uh, the Messiah was to be crucified. And here it is right there. Messiah should be cut off. If they knew their Old Testament, they would have known the date he was to come and the date he was to be crucified. But they still rejected him. Um, and uh, that uh, many people say that he was crucified about seven days after his triumphal entry. Okay, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So that's why it says after three score and two weeks. And it was not long after, just days after that Messiah would be crucified. Okay. So the people of the prince that shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who is this prince? Well, a lot of people view this prince as the Roman general, Titus, who destroyed the temple and the city in um, 70 AD. Um, and Peg, you know, pagan Rome, obviously being Satan's people, any general of Rome would, uh, any general or leader of Rome would, would be the people of the prince, right? The people of the prince, I believe, is referring to the future Antichrist. And the, the Roman general would have been under his demonic control, if you would. But, um, so, I want you to know something. So, if that happened in 70 A.D., that's way past 39 AD when we thought all this was supposed to happen. So if this went in chronological order and there was no gap here, Jesus crucified, you would expect that seven years later Jesus would return. First advent, second advent, seven years apart. And in the middle here would be the Antichrist. But that's not what happened. And um, there are a lot of people today, and again, I've, I bought into part of this view before I even taught a study on it, where I was trying to make it this timeline be unbroken. But there, there, there must be a gap here because even if you, uh, a lot of these people that believe, a lot of people that believe that um, this timeline is all done, they still have a problem with the 70 AD because they fix that at the end and that's still bringing you way past. So in other words, something happened here. The Antichrist never came right after Jesus' crucifixion. Um, all these events that we're going to see described in this last seven years is there really isn't anything we can really fix it to. It'd all be speculation and trying to spiritualize things. So um, I believe there's a gap. Again, I, I believe there's a gap where God stopped the prophetic timeline to, to uh, well, I'll just say it this way. I believe instead of God bringing the end right away, he decided to bring this era, which we call the, the time of grace. It's the Christian era, the time when God, you know, it talks about in the book of Peter, I believe that God is long suffering, that all um, should come to repentance and that none should perish. If he would have just brought the end right then, there would have been hardly any souls saved. So some would say, well, how could a timeline, 490 year timeline, if it's a timeline, it can't be broken, right? You'd think it can't be broken. But if you're breaking the timeline for the benefit of the people, in other words, to bring grace and mercy to people, to save more souls, then I don't see any problem with God breaking that timeline, okay? And this gets a little bit more detailed. I'm not going to get into other arguments of why there's a gap there. Um, but what we do know, um, actually, I think I have it right here. Here's the gap. Sorry, I was pointing there. 
So the gap, now we've been living in this gap. Jesus was crucified. The Antichrist hadn't come yet. We've been living in this gap of almost 2,000 years. Almost 2,000 years. And uh, the end hasn't come yet. And I believe it's because God's extending his, his grace. Now, another place in Scripture, it says a day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years. So it's really only been two days for God. We're thinking 2,000 years. That's a pretty big gap to splice into the middle of this timeline that was only 490 years. Um, but um, there are examples of this gap actually in the Bible itself. Let's check it out. For unto us, Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, referring to the birth of the Messiah, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now check that out. In the first verse here, or first half of this verse, it describes the first advent. And then you have this uh, colon there. Then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Well, Jesus never took control of the physical governments of the earth. So right here you have a gap in this Isaiah 9 prophecy. Okay, and I um, I believe God intentionally hid this to trick, probably to trick Satan uh, into crucifying the Messiah, because had Satan known exactly God's timeline, um, then uh, then you know he might have tried to do something different. But in other words, you know, there's a strategic warfare going on between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. So I believe that's when we run into some prophecies that are, seem to be obscure. And why would it be that way? Why wouldn't it just be simpler? Well, you think about it in a real war, America doesn't tell its enemy everything that they're doing. Okay, But God has it there. It's just still kind of a mystery. So here there's an obvious gap. There's a gap right here between the first advent, between Jesus being born, and the time that the government shall be on his shoulder. And uh, then it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Well, we're not living in that time right now. And that didn't happen at the first advent. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice. We talked a lot about that in our current events message. With justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of, Hor Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay, so from here on out, from here down is separated. There's a gap between that first line and the rest of this. First advent and the second advent. Luke chapter 1, verse, we're going to find another instance of a gap between those two advents. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him his throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Well, that hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't physically reigned on the earth in Jerusalem over the Israelites, over the seed of Jacob. Okay, But he did come to bring salvation. He came to bring repentance, but he didn't come to take physical control of the earth yet. Okay? Two separate things. And that's what God didn't reveal very clearly in the Old Testament is that, that, that he would do that. It was kind of 
his secret, if you would. Um, the Apostle Paul talks about that uh, the church age, so to speak, was a mystery hid before the foundations of the world. Okay, So um, another place of this gap theory here, Isaiah 61, or another instance of a gap. Isaiah 61 verse 1 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This, remember, Jesus actually read this in the temple uh, or in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty unto the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Okay. Now that that was what Jesus did at the first at his first advent. Okay. He came to bring the gospel, good tidings to the meek. He's not coming to judge the earth right now the first time. He came to save the earth, save the people. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring spiritual healing, to proclaim liberty, get people free from sin, um, and to open the, you know, open, the uh, open the prison house of those that were captivated by sin. Okay? He definitely did that in the first advent. And then it says to proclaim, in verse 2, it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, what's fascinating about this? I'm going to let you play with this as you would. Now, the jubilee happened every four, after every 49 years. There was the 50th, it began the 50th year, and that was the year of jubilee. That's when all the people that were in debt and so forth, all their debts were forgiven, and it was like a restart. You started all over. Uh, it would be nice if we did that now, but we don't. Um, and so it was a wonderful year. Everybody looked forward to this year of jubilee. It was a year of celebration. Now, the, that's what Jesus was proclaiming here, this acceptable year. He was proclaiming a jubilee, a time when everything would be, all your debts erased. Remember your sins? You, if you forget, your sins are erased, right? When Jesus was crucified, your sins can be erased. But something else ties into the 490 year. Now think about this. After every 49th year was a jubilee, look at, Times 10, you have the 490-year time. So what is right after that 490-year segment? A super jubilee, okay? A jubilee times 10, okay? That would be the time when Jesus is literally here reigning upon the earth and true justice goes forth. But now check this out. Here's the gap. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or to proclaim the jubilee, Jesus read that, but he stopped reading right here. He just closed the book to tell us that there's a gap. Okay? So that, would, that really explains why Daniel's timeline has a gap. Jesus read this verse and he shut the book. And then it says, And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Okay? So the day of vengeance of our God is at the end of the 490 years. That's when... All sin is ended. All wickedness is all wickedness and rebellion is is stopped. Okay, and Jesus is here in person. All right. So we read about that was just a, there were just a few examples. Um, the uh, what's interesting, um, E. W. Bollinger in his book Number and Scripture brings up some interesting things about. Um, different 490-year segments in history that had to do with uh, God dealing with his people. He says there was 490 years from the time of Abraham to the Exodus. There were 490 years from the Exodus to the dedication of the temple. 
490 years from the temple to Nehemiah's return. And then obviously we got 490 years from Nehemiah to the second advent, which this one has a gap. And it's interesting because he actually points out some of these other 490 year timelines that he brought up had time that was not reckoned in that timeline because of some other event. So he basically points out that there were other instances or other types of gaps in these 490-year segments. Um, I'm not going to go into that today, but um, anyways. All right, let's, let's uh, comment on this. Uh, I don't think I read this verse yet. Daniel 9, verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant... I believe this is speaking of the Antichrist, the lowercase prince, not the Messiah, the prince, the lowercase prince, Antichrist. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week or for seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation or until the end. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, so there's a lot of things in this verse here. So this Antichrist confirms a covenant with many for one week. Um, I view this as a covenant to the world. Uh, I believe this is the beginning of the official new world order, a one world government when the Antichrist gets here. Okay, And he confirms the covenant with many. So he finally brings this new world order. And then in the midst of the week, or after three and a half years of the of last seven years, um, he does something here that says in the midst of the week, he causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, historically, that would mean that you know, if you look back in time and they're doing the sac- bringing the sacrifices into the temple, that would mean somebody came in there and said, hey, you can't sacrifice anymore. In other words, shut down religion. Okay, No more worshiping God. We, it seems like we almost have a little bit of a type of that today with the coronavirus. You know, churches shut down, limited, and so forth. But I believe this is looking forward to the time when Christianity will be banned or outlawed by the Antichrist. Not just Christianity, but any religion around the world. There will only be one religion at this time, and it'll be the religion of the beast. Worshiping the beast, the mark of the beast. And I believe he institutes this, this uh, order that no other religions exist other than the worship of him in the middle of the last seven years. Okay, In the middle of the last seven years. Um, and you can find a, uh, this possibly written about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul talks, the Apostle Paul talks about the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God, claiming that he is God, and, uh, and declaring that there are no other gods but him. Now let's go into this overspreading of abominations. You know, you think, man, when you look out at what's going on in the world today, and you think we're seeing abominable things right now, God's talking about even worse abominable things coming in the future. Things that will actually cause him to finally pour out his wrath. I have to imagine that when the Antichrist comes, that the world will be in such a wicked state like has never been before since the beginning of time. Probably more wicked than it was at the time of Noah before God brought the, the flood. Um, and because whatever it is, it makes God very angry and then he ends it. He pours this pouring out upon the desolate. 
I believe this is, these are the seven vials in the book of Revelation. Poured out. It's the wrath of God poured out upon the Antichrist and those who worship him. All right. In conclusion here, all evidence, I'm just going to repeat here, look, look at this timeline, all evidence seems to point to there being a period of time known as the gap. And we've been in there for 2,000 years. To me, it's more simple now. I, I struggled with it before. It's as simple as this. God is long-suffering that all should come to repentance. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about the wicked one actually being restrained held there until God decides to let him out. So God actually decided to stop this timeline for the benefit of mankind. Um, and, uh, it, you know, as we, get, as we get closer and closer, it really seems, you know, we see the world, how it's developing right now, it really seems we're really close to this time. I mean, everything seems to be being put in place. Uh, you know, you look at uh, all this mass brainwashing going on with the coronavirus scare and the masks and um, everything just seems to be coming together getting ready for the appearance of the Antichrist for the 70th seven right before the time that Jesus returns. Um, And if you go into the book of Revelation you'll find uh, you'll find it written five different times in the book of Revelation there, it talks about a three-and-a-half-year prophetic time. Um, probably some is referring to the, the time of the two witnesses. They have 1,260 days. The time of the Antichrist says 42 months. That's three-and-a-half years. 42 months, 300, uh, 1,260 days. Those are three-and-a-half-year segments. So um, just I'm going to throw this in for the preterists. I, this might, you guys might not even know what I'm talking about here, but those watching on TV... Uh, that that t- hold the preterist view, um, you know, one thing that really strikes against the preterist view is that the book of Revelation, most believe, was written in 96 AD, and it's still talking about this last seven-year period being divided up into two, three-and-a-half-year periods. If that had already happened in the past... Um, uh, it wouldn't be mentioned again in 96 AD, well after the temple was destroyed. Now, others try to say that the book of Revelation was written in 68 or 69 AD, uh, right before the temple was destroyed, and they believe that everything, all this prophecy, all the prophecies culminated at the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. But even, even then, you're still way past... You'd still be. You still have to have a gap, because uh, 70 A.D. is way past the end of the uh, 77s, which would have ended in approximately 39 A.D. if there were no gap. Um, anyways, next week we're gonna move on past this timeline, um, and we're gonna look into something very interesting. We're gonna get a behind-the-scenes look into spiritual warfare between angels fighting each other behind the scenes in the uh, unseen world. And that'll be really exciting in Daniel chapter 10. So with that said, anybody got any questions or comments? I'd like to commend you on uh, making sense of all this because of the numbers and the... <laughs> it's, like, it's a little overwhelming uh, when you start to add up all these numbers for years and days and months and, and uh, all of that. But it's definitely interesting and fascinating. 
just, um, I mean, my initial thought is why would, you know, God is usually, when he says something, it's usually set in stone, you know, it, it doesn't move, it doesn't change. So I'm thinking, you know, to get to that point where we we're going to say there's a gap in it, I don't know, I just, um, trying to figure out why that would happen and he wouldn't really say that it happened, you know, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain because it's, it's, it seems pretty complicated, uh, this whole process, but um, uh, it just seems weird to me that God wouldn't explain that, well, I guess I'm going to, I know I said that it's going to be this amount of time, but now I'm changing it, but he never said he's changing it. Right, yeah, not, not at least cl clearly. Right. Um, there are a couple responses I would have to that, and that's a, uh, Jesus said, I spoke in parables so that some would see and some wouldn't. And um, the other response I'd have to that is, I, I, and I struggled with the same thing. I had those questions before. But when you think about it, if you're the one making the timeline, if you make it harsher, that would be unjust, right? If you, if you, just, if you made it worse, if you gave it less time or made the punishment more severe or whatever. But if you extend a little bit of grace or mercy or um, in order to try to help somebody, then it makes sense that you can, you can go against, even if it was his word. But let's say, he's, let's say you were going to be a legalist about it and you say, you cannot break your word. You said 490 years and I start here and I end there. But if someone breaks that to actually do it to help somebody, that wouldn't be considered uh, wrong or lawless, right? Right. Um, and I think that's what God did here. But I really do think that it was always in the plan. It was just hidden from Satan and that from is. everybody else. So I think it was always there, and, 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 uh, but I have more research to do on it. But like I said, years ago, several years ago, you and I sat down and did an end-time study, and I, I was leaning more towards... That must have been unbroken and it must have been complete somehow. But then I'd find myself searching for ways to justify all those seven things being ended by spiritualizing each one away. And you just get, I finally came to the conclusion that you just, that just wasn't adding up. And so I'm more comfortable now than ever before on uh, the gap being there. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through them, and I guess see what you mean. Because the finish of the transgressions, that's kind of the same as the end of sins, right? Yeah. And you could argue that Jesus' death on the cross is the end of sins. I mean, not that people stop sinning, but the end of, uh, that you can be forgiven for your sins. Well, and some people believe that um, the timeline, there might have been a gap because had the Israelites or the children of Judah accepted Christ as a nation, then the timeline would have just kept going and ended, but they rejected him. So I guess one could look at it this way. He said four, he answered the prayer and said 490 years and I'll end all this, but the Israelites crucified Christ and didn't even accept the gospel from the apostles. So... It could be a breach of an agreement on their part that even played into this as well. Right. Looking at it from God's standpoint. Because if you're in a covenant or agreement and one side breaks it, then there's, you know, things change. Yeah.
I would imagine. So we're, there's a gap, and then we're waiting for the seven years to start, is what you're right. saying. Whether it started now or still to come. And Second Thessalonians, really, Paul does really describe that. He says, he, he's warning of the coming of the Antichrist, but he says he's not here yet because something or somebody's restraining him until God says, let him out, let him go, let him onto the world. Um, but he doesn't give any time frame. Do you think that's when like the trumpets start at the beginning of that seven years? Or does the trumpet start somewhere in the gap? Yeah, I think the trumpets probably start at the beginning of the seven years. That, that's kind of my opinion. Uh, maybe the seals beforehand. But definitely, we do know definitely that... Uh, um, yeah, actually, a lot of the trumpets have to be for sure during the last seven years because it talks about, it specifically talks about those who worship the mark of the beast, I believe. Or that might be the vials. That might be the vials. We know for sure all the vials are, I think the vials are at the very end. Of, I don't have the timeline up there, but I think the vials are at the very end of that seven years or maybe even a 75-day period after that. I'm not going to get into that too much here that's because in daniel you have uh it says blessed is he that maketh it to the 1335th day that's 75 days longer than 1260 days so i think the my view right now i'll just say it like this my view is the antichrist has seven years to reign but the last 75 days of him being on the earth is nothing but punishments so he's totally lost control and god's just Raining, you know, the just, uh, you know, very serious amounts of wrath on the earth for 75 days. Would that be the thunders, maybe? It, it could. Well, I, I don't know about the thunders, I think, are probably before the vials. Oh, okay. Uh, but it could be. It could start then. Yeah, it actually could. So I think it goes, the thunders, it's interesting. We were talking about God hiding things. He tells us. In symbolism, anyways, what the tr seals and the trumpets are. Then the seven thunders we're going to utter. And God says, no, seal those up. Don't, don't tell anybody. Don't write that down in the book of Revelation. Don't write that down. Uh, it's not time for them to know that yet. So that's never been revealed. And then he gives the vials after the thunders. So a lot of people think of the seals, trumpets, and vials. You hear people, I've, but I say it like that all the time, but it's actually... Seals, trumpets, thunders, vials. Four, four sets of judgments. Um, anything else? That's some deep study. Yeah, now you can see what last week we covered most of Revelation or Daniel chapter 9. Now you can see why I didn't want right. to yeah. break into this. Because even this, I could spend several more studies just going into the last seven years. I don't think we will because I just want to get through Daniel, but um, it's fascinating. Going once, going twice. All right. Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He Trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible sword His truth is marching on